Alright, well let's go ahead and take your Bibles tonight and go to the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Of course, we all know that Luke chapter 2 is where we see the Christmas story, but I'm not going to talk about the Christmas story tonight. We are going to uh, forward past the Christmas story, and this morning that's kind of what we did, and we looked at the story of Simeon. But we're going to go a little farther into Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is a pretty long chapter. And you know, I am fascinated with, you know, maybe this is wrong, but I tend to be really fascinated about things that the Bible is silent on. <laughs> You're not silent, but maybe says little about. For example, the pre-flood world I find extremely interesting, but there's not a whole lot of Bible on the pre-flood world. You know, the life of Christ is very interesting, but a lot of times I get most intrigued by you know the time before Jesus began His ministry when He was 30 years old, and we see just a little bit of the childhood of Christ. We read about the birth. We read the story about how He went uh, when He was 40 days old and they took Him to the temple to do the sacrifices. And you see the story of Simeon. And I didn't cover it this morning, but then there was Anna, a prophetess that was there that also uh, you know, realized who He was and you know, blessed Him. And it's kind of a neat story there. But then, when we get to verse 40, it, notice it says, "...and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they saw him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all they that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And they and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So right here, this is really all we know about Jesus Christ before He was grown up. We have this one story when He's 12 years old, but yet there's a few things that we see that are mentioned in the Scripture. And when you kind of put them all together... You know, we we can get some ideas of some things that went on, and I hope you don't mind me. I, you know, I might do a little speculating tonight. You know, I, I whenever I delve into areas where it's my opinion, I like to let folks know. You know, this is my opinion, and I and I might do that a little bit tonight. But I want you to notice though, when it, about Jesus Christ, some of the things that it says about him. What I want us to look at tonight are really just lessons that we can learn from the early years of Jesus. And you know, young people especially, this is a good message for you to listen to. Parents also, parents, uh, you know, you need to listen to this too because unfortunately, one of the reasons kids are so sorry these days is parents expect nothing from their kids. I mean, we've got parents that have. 
you know, they have young children, they don't expect them to behave. They don't expect them to obey them. You know, they expect nothing from them. And, you know, I think we can't expect some things from our children. And we, when we look at the early life of Jesus Christ, I think we find some good examples for everyone to follow. And so when it comes to Jesus, because, and this is, I might be getting into my opinion a little bit. I think I got a little bit of basis for it. But you know, when Jesus was born, I believe he was born as a baby. I don't believe Jesus was, when he was born, was all knowing. I don't believe that when he, as soon as he was born, I mean, does anybody think as soon as he was born, he was able to start talking? I don't believe that. I believe he had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to do everything. But there was something very different about this child because he was God in human form. He didn't have that sin nature. So I mean, just imagine. You know, I children probably would develop quite a bit different if they didn't have a sin nature. When you think about that. And so notice Jesus, whenever He's here in this temple, notice the amazement of these doctors that are there and all these people as they're talking to Him. They notice this is not a normal 12-year-old. And I believe that... You know, I don't believe Jesus knew at all. I believe His parents told Him what they knew. But I think we know pretty much as much as the parents knew because we you know they probably I don't think they knew any more than what they learned in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 2 where when the angels visited them and I do believe they told Jesus that he was the son of God because Jesus told them wist ye not that I must be about my father's business I think they probably shared those things I think they probably told him you know Joseph is not your father you know you were conceived of the holy ghost you are the son of God you are the Messiah, all the things that they were told, I think I think they told. And then but as far as what Jesus knew, you know, and when did he learn it, I think there's a few ideas that we can get as we read scriptures and we look at his life, and we'll get into some of those in a little bit. But the first thing I want us to, to notice here, the first thing I want us to recognize as we look at the life of Jesus as a child, it would be real easy for maybe a child or even a parent who's trying to make excuses for their kids to say, well, you can't use Jesus as an example because he was perfect, and obviously, you know, no kid is perfect, okay? And listen, I'm not up here tonight expecting my, I don't expect my kids to be Exactly like Jesus, okay? But I do think they should try, okay? I think even as adults, okay? None of us are going to be exactly like Jesus, but we are supposed to try, aren't we? We're supposed to do our best. And even though no one has ever been exactly like Jesus, just two examples I want to look at. Notice in Luke chapter 2 40, it mentions that it says the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. And then if you go back just one chapter in Luke chapter 1 verse 80, referring to John the Baptist, says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. Same thing it said about Jesus, it said about John the Baptist, okay? So, well, John the Baptist, he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Yes, but at the same time, if your child is saved, they're indwelt by the Holy Ghost, aren't they? So, you know, we can be strong in spirit. They can be strong in spirit like Jesus was. John the Baptist was strong in spirit. It also says in Luke 2, verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And then you don't have to turn back there, but in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, it says, and the child Samuel grew on 
and was in favor both with the Lord and with men. So same way that Jesus was described, we see Samuel described. And Samuel, he you know, he didn't have any extra bonuses going for him, I guess. I mean, but he was somebody though that you know the hand of God was on and God used him. And listen, the Lord can use your children. Say, I do not think it is wrong for parents to expect things from their kids. I expect some things from my kids. My kids, they they're being taught the Bible. So I expect a few things from them. My kids are growing they they live in a Christian home. My kids, you know, they they've got me as a parent, you know. I mean, you know, we we make all these excuses, but I hope you think you're a good parent or at least trying to be a good parent. I mean, are are you not training them according to the word of God? Are you not teaching them to follow the Bible? Okay? I mean, if you can't say that, maybe you ought to fix that. Okay? You know, and most of the time, you want to find out what's wrong with the kids. You know, just take a look at the parent and you'll find out real quick. And that is scary sometimes. And, you know, I've looked in the mirror of my children before. That's one way to put it. Just like, you see yourself. And it, it, it scares you sometimes. And, you know, and that's why God gave you a wife so you can blame her. You know, kids are acting like you right now. But anyway, I do think we ought to expect some things. I think God expects some things. And John the Baptist was explained in a similar way as Jesus Christ. Samuel was explained in a similar way as Jesus Christ as a child. And so let's look at some things that we see in this story as we look closely with Jesus. Things in his life as a 12-year-old boy. And these are things that we could have in our lives, that your children could have in their lives. And the first thing we see in verse 46 of Luke chapter 2, it says that he was sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Okay, Now listen, this is very important. If you want to be wise, you should surround yourself with wise people. Okay? Encourage your children to get to know wise people. A lot of times we just think they're supposed to be around people their age. And there's nothing wrong with kids playing around you know, other kids their age. But you know, my, I'm thankful that my dad, he tried to you know, keep me around you know, great men of God. Around a lot of preachers I knew. He on purpose you know, would expose me to these people. You know, to, he wanted me to be around them. He wanted me to hear their preaching. He would take us to different meetings. You know, he would have these people come preach at our church, and you know, we would have them in our home. And he was always introducing me to different preachers that he had a lot of respect for. He wanted me to get to know these people, just people that he felt were godly. He always taught me to get to know old people. And even as a teenager, I did. I spent a lot of time talking to old people. Okay, and when I say old people, you know, senior citizens, I'm not trying to be, you know, disrespectful here. But I was taught that, and I did. I I got I knew a lot of older folks very well. You know, there was a man named Chuck Newbon that went to my dad's church, and that guy, you know, just nice old fella. And I did. I just got to know him. I talked to that guy. I liked that guy. I got to know him really well, and it actually benefited me real well because I was talking about hunting one time, how I wanted to hunt, and he gave me a bow and arrow. And a shotgun, and as a result of that, I started going hunting and you know slayed a few deer in my time. But uh, you know, and there was many other people like that. You know, older people. I was always talking to them. I was always around them, getting to know them. There's men like Bert Leach that I used to spend a lot of time going soul hunting with, door knocking with them, just 
fella much, much older than me. But you know, I I was never taught this whole thing that teenagers don't talk to old people. I was taught the opposite. You ought to talk to these people. You ought to get to know them, and you know what? You'll learn things from them. I remember Chuck Newbaum when his uh, when his wife passed away, uh, Ruth. She went before him, and I remember at his funeral, you know, him telling me he said he said Tommy he said have a lot of kids. He said when you're going through times like these these kids these kids they're what get you through it. I'm so thankful for all my kids. He said, "Have a lot of kids," and you know what? I've got a lot of kids. <laughs> and you know, guys, you know, guys like that told me that. You know what young people say? Don't have any kids. That's what young people say. But old people, they come from that you know previous generation when the world was a better place. You know, they've got a completely different mindset. And people these days, they're not listening to the elderly people. They're listening to the young people. You know, it's sad how many people today. They get all their information, their way of thinking. It's what they're seeing on social media. Well, guess who most of the people are on social media? Mostly young people. There's not a whole lot of 80 and 90 year olds, you know, on Facebook and on Twitter tweeting stuff. It's the young fools, isn't it? And one of these days, I'm not picking on the young people. Eventually, they're going to be wise. Eventually, they're going to be talking about what foolish, you know, 20 and 30 year olds they were. They're going to be talking about all the mistakes that they made. And my dad, he always taught me too, you know, go talk to these people, learn from them so you don't have to make the same mistakes they made. And all these people too, they did. They had all kinds of mistakes they could tell you about. They had all kinds of scars from some of the sins and things they had done in their past. And they were always the first ones to warn you and to speak up and tell you not to do those things. But what do old people or young people do? Oh, yeah, go ahead and try it. Young people, they, they have no experience. And Jesus, I don't think, you know, they didn't find him with a bunch of other 12 year olds playing around, did they? Who they find him with? They find him, it says, you know, with the doctors, okay? And a doctor, it was somebody who was a teacher, somebody who's an instruction, uh, instructor, and they find him in the temple. And listen, the Bible doesn't say, I'm just speculating here, okay? But listen, Jesus, we're going to see in a little bit. I believe he knew the scriptures from a very young age, but also I believe that you know his parents. They told him a few things he didn't understand at all. But I can just picture Jesus Christ maybe walking through that temple, and as he's walking, you know, he's looking around in that temple, and everything that you see in the temple. We're not going to, we don't have time to go into all of it, but it all was symbolized things. Everything in that temple, we can look back on it now and see how it all pointed to Jesus Christ. We can see how it all makes sense. And I just picture Jesus sitting there asking, you know, how do you, how do you do these things? You know, how how do you all do those sacrifices? How does this work? How do you choose the lamb that you sacrifice? You know, what goes on behind that curtain in the holy of holies? And they're explaining these things, and they're instructing him, and all these, and they're hearing these questions that he's asking, and he's under in their, you know, he's asking them questions that no twelve-year-old should ask. You know, most twelve-year-olds there would just when it comes to things about the temple and sacrifices. I mean, their eyes are going to glaze over; they don't want to hear about it. But not only is Jesus interested in it and asking questions that no child has ever asked before, he understands what they're talking about. He understands the symbolism of it, and these I can just see as time goes on, maybe he started talking with just one of the priests. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like, hey, he points at one of the other ones, hey, come here. 
And they're just listening to him. And they, I think they were all intrigued by him. But at the same time, you know, I believe it was Jesus that kind of initiated this whole thing. And I think it would be wise for young people to surround themselves with wise people. Get to know older people. You know, talk to them. Learn from them. Who you surround yourself determines the type of person you're going to be. Proverbs 13.20 He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now, there's young people that are wise, aren't there? But you know what? Truth is, most young people are pretty foolish, aren't they? And even most older wise people that we know will tell you when they were in their teenage years or their 20s, they were foolish. They will tell you that. And you know, it's just a good rule of thumb. Surround yourself with older people. If you're looking for advice on something, don't go talk to somebody your age. Go talk to an older person. Go find the oldest person in the church, you know, and just hear what they have to say. Listen to what they have to say. It, and Jesus did it. And I think all young people can do that. And let me tell you something too about older folks. Okay? They're usually pretty willing and anxious to share wisdom. You know, most older folks that I talk to, even today, man, they sometimes, you know, I go to visit with them, you know, you want to be a help and stuff, but sometimes the best way you can be a help to an older person is let them talk to you. They have a lot of wisdom and they want to share it with somebody. And you just listening to them, you will bless their heart. And then you know what? If you listen to what they tell you, you're going to get a blessing at the same time. And I tell you, it would be a great thing—not even just for the kids, but even you know, younger folk, you know, young adults, parents. Go hang around some older folks and listen to what they have to say. Jesus did it, and I believe we can learn from that too. So not only you know, so surround yourself with wise men. Ask questions. Okay, you know, people don't ask questions anymore. You know why? Because they know it all. You know what I'm finding out people do all the time? Whenever they want to know about anything. You know what, you know what people are doing nowadays when they want to answer a question? They grab their cell phone. Hey, Siri. <laughs> I mean, they literally do that. And you know, you know everything Siri tells you is true. And let me tell you something about Siri, alright? She's, she's very liberal and she's PC. Okay, I mean, she's very politically correct, and you all know politically correct equals incorrect. How do I know that? They were doing it on the radio. If you go on there and you, you they were asking questions about Bruce Jenner, you know, and then like you say, how old is Bruce Jenner? And she would answer back, Caitlyn Jenner is whatever. And any question you would ask about Bruce Jenner, it would answer back in Caitlyn Jenner. You know, if you got an iPhone, try it. You know what? And so um, you don't don't trust Surrey, okay? She doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman. All right. So just you know, but that's how everybody does it. They Google everything, and you know the first thing that's going to come up on the list is going to be truth, right? No, probably not. You know, and that, but that and you know, I said you can do that. Go ahead and ask Surrey for directions. You know, ask how to you know where the next re- nearest restaurant is or whatever. That's fine. But when it comes to questions about life. Get off the stinking computer. Go talk to a human being. Go talk to an old person. And I'm telling you, you won't regret it. You're going to learn some great lessons for them. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Okay? 
swift to hear, slow to speak. Okay, and you know what usually happens when there's older folks around and younger folks. You know, the younger folks sometimes they tend to do all the talking, don't they? And you know what? You need to teach. You got to teach this to your kids. When the older folks are speaking, you need to shut up. You need to be quiet. You need to listen. Do not talk over them. Do not interrupt them. Listen to what they have to say. Why? One, it's just respectful. And two, it's just wise to do that. What is going to come out of their mouth is probably going to be a lot more intelligent than what's going to come out of your mouth. So listen to old people. I do the same thing. If I'm around a bunch of older preachers, okay, and I'm like, I'm like any preacher that's 35 years old, okay? I'm in my prime. I think I know it all. Okay, but you know what? If I get around older preachers, I try to just keep quiet and listen to what they have to say. And I've been taught that from a young age. You get around the older preachers, you be quiet. You know, go ahead, sit in on the conversation, but just listen to what they have to say. Let them talk. And you know what? That lines up with the Bible. Let every man be slow, okay, or swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. What we naturally want to do goes against what God wants us to do. Okay? And we do. We like to talk. We all like to hear ourselves, but sometimes we've got to just learn to listen to someone else. And I'm telling you, I believe that you know, Jesus, he's, you know, he, if He's asking questions, okay, that probably means He's not doing most of the talking. Most questions that you ask are one sentence. Okay, and answers many times are, you know, large paragraphs, aren't they? And Jesus, even though this is Jesus, he's sitting there and he's listening, and they're just amazed that he's at the questions he's asking and that he's understanding them. Okay, and the reason a lot of young people don't get anything when an older person talks to them is they're not paying attention, they're not listening. But Jesus paid attention and listen. We can do that. Okay, any child in here, any teenager, you can do that. You can surround yourself with wise men or women. You can just listen, ask questions. These are important things. And then, you know, he said so he he learned from them. He says in verse forty-seven, and all they that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Okay, so they would they were obviously asking him some questions too. And just listening to the answers he gave, they were blown away by that. You know, he was he he was learning things from them. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more thrilling for a teacher than to see their students learn something. Okay? One of the you know, I for a very short time I gave guitar lessons. And you know what? I hated giving guitar lessons. You know why? Because most of my students didn't practice. Most of my students weren't learning anything. But I did have one student that was doing real well. And I enjoyed teaching him. Now the other people were paying me the same thing. But you know what? It's just like, what is the point of doing this? Pouring yourself into someone if they're not getting anything out of it. But boy, when you see them pick up on it, when you see that your teaching is actually doing something, it is thrilling as a teacher. My wife, she teaches piano. She'll tell you the same thing. She just loves her students that are practicing, that are learning, that are paying attention. You know, as a pastor, it's thrilling when you see people learning something from the preaching. I mean, you know, you do all that work, you do all that studying, and then you know, sometimes it's just like it goes, it just goes right over everybody's head, and it's like, you know, then they'll ask questions, and it's like. 
Yeah, you were at that message. You you didn't hear that. <laughs> you didn't learn anything from it. And listen, I, I've been there in the pew before. I've had the days where I was distracted and the message got over and I had no clue what was even preached. Okay, I've been there before. I'm not trying to pick on you, but at the same time, you know, we do have to make an effort to learn. We've got to learn how to focus. We've got to learn how to pay attention, how to remove the distractions in our in our life so we can actually learn something. And Jesus, He was learning from what they had to say. And I'm telling you, it's just it is it is discouraging when people aren't learning. And but when people are, it does it just motivates you. I guarantee you, you go to the you go out to the schools, you talk to any teacher. Okay, you know who their favorite kids are? It's the ones that they can tell they're learning something. That's not the best looking kid. It's not the you know. It's not. It's not even the smartest kid. It's the one that they feel like, hey, I'm helping this kid. I'm making a difference in their life, and that is thrilling to that teacher. They will pour more into that student because that that is that's rewarding when you see when you give your of yourself to someone and you see something produced as a result. That is thrilling for anyone, and I believe these these men were just. Excited to see someone 12 years old learning from what they had to say. I mean, even caring, even paying, you know, paying attention. And I remember I preached a message years ago when I was in the youth group, and it was questions every teenager should ask their parents. And I remember I told I don't even remember what they all were, but I remember I had this whole list of questions. I thought these are. Every one of you teenagers, you should ask your parents these questions. They can teach you things in these areas that will save you so much heartache. And I remember I told, I told the kids, I said, you asking your parents these questions is going to benefit you greatly. Because I said, one, if you ask your parents these questions, I remember one of them I said, you know, girls, you should ask your mom how to take care of a house. You know, what does it take to take care of a house? You know, how do I do that? How can I be a good homemaker? I said, boys, ask your dad, you know, how to provide. You know, Lord, you know, dad, how do you budget things? You know, how do you know how much you should spend on rent, you know, on a car based on how much you make? Ask those questions. And I said, you're going to do a couple things that's going to benefit you greatly. One, just by you asking these questions, you are going to appear to have a great deal of wisdom to your parents. Because most teenagers aren't asking these questions. And so your parents are now going to think you're wise. And then I said, the other thing too, asking these questions, it's going to show your parents that you notice what they're doing. It's going to show that you appreciate what they're doing. The very fact that you noticed it, it is going to thrill their hearts. And unfortunately, people are so self-centered, especially young people, they don't notice the effort. That goes into things. You know, many people they you know they don't notice the effort that goes in. You know, you know, school kids they don't notice the effort that their teacher takes. You know, to be able to present that lesson and all that they have to do to be able to try to teach those kids. Many people in churches they don't notice or appreciate what the pastor has to do to try to be a good pastor and to try to give messages so they can you know he can teach them and be a blessing. They have no clue. You know why? Because they're not paying attention. But the person that does notice that and shows something from it, you know, acknowledge it in some way, it thrills that person 
to death. It motivates them to keep going. I do. I believe Jesus excited these men. I think probably when His parents showed up to get Him, they were probably disappointed. And He'd been there for several days. I mean, I don't know how it all went down, but I do. I think they hated to see Him go. And we're looking forward to next year when He came back. I really do. But notice though, you know how he, in verse 48, it says, "...when they saw Him, they were amazed and said unto Him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing and he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business?" Okay, now I don't believe Jesus was sassing them right here. A lot of times you look at it, it's like, man, what was Jesus? You know, what was wrong with Jesus? If he was perfect, why would he do something so irresponsible as to just you know ditch his parents like that and go to the temple? I mean, if he was the son of God, shouldn't he have known they were all looking for him? Shouldn't he have known that they were going to be wondering where he was at and they were going to be worried? But I, listen, Jesus could not sin. All right, he was not sassing them when he said. Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? What I believe, I believe Jesus thought they would understand what he was doing. I think Jesus probably thought that, you know, hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I think he thought they would know where he was at. That's that's personally what I believe about that. But they were upset with him. You know, he, you know, I must be about my father's business. You know, didn't you know? Didn't you realize I was here? I think he probably thought that they knew. I don't think he was smarting off to him one bit. But notice in verse fifty-one, it says, "And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them." But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. You know, she noticed that, and he noticed. But notice his submission to them. Now, listen, Jesus, if he had wanted to, he could have said, "Hey." I've got more important things to do. I must be about my father's business. Those people there at the temple after he impressed them the way he did those few days, I think they would have let him work in the temple like Samuel did with Eli back in 1 Samuel. But notice, he went and he was subject to them. And children, teenagers, the main thing you need to worry about as a child, the will of God for you today is to submit to your parents. That's God's will. Ephesians 6.1 Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Colossians 3.20 Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. That's all God expects from you right now. I mean, look, you know, kids, really, you've got it easy. You know how easy it is for a child to stay in the will of God? Obey your parents. Well, I mean that that's pretty simple, isn't it? When you get older it gets a little more difficult, you know. There's a lot of big choices you have to make. You really do have to, you know, do a lot of praying and seeking after a lot of guidance because, you know, there's a lot of difficult decisions that have to be made, you know. The Bible doesn't say we can't look in the Bible and find out what all our occupations are supposed to be. You know, we can't look in the Bible and find out exactly who it is we're supposed to marry. Okay, we can find principles and things that can help us, but for kids, it's spelled out: obey your parents. And even Jesus, who was smarter than his parents, wiser than his parents, better than his parents, was subject unto them. Submission. Okay, you guys are going to get to the age, and most of you kids, even right now, maybe I shouldn't tell you all this, but I'm going to tell you. You probably know. You you are to the age now. If your parents try to make you do anything, okay, you don't have to listen to them. What? 
Really? But but if I don't, you know, they're going to give me a spanking. Well, then call DCFS, and you know, those people will come, and they'll take care of this. You, they'll take you away from their parents, and you won't have to listen to mom and dad anymore. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you do, you ought to be more scared of DCFS than any punishment your parent could give you. Okay, those people will ruin you so fast, and they'll uh, they'll just going to drug you up, and then you're going to be like a lot of these poor drugged up kids that don't know how to do anything. Thing and can't function and are on their way to the nut house. You know that's gonna, that could be you, but you do have to submit. When you turn 18, technically you can leave your home. Mom and dad, they, they can't tell you nothing anymore legally. You could walk out of your house. You could go do whatever you want, and mom and dad are not your boss anymore. But I'm going to tell you right now, that would be a very foolish, foolish thing to do. You know what you need to do? You need to submit. Even if I don't think any of y'all are smarter than your parents or wiser than your parents, but even if you were, you should still submit. Even Jesus Christ Himself submitted to His earthly parents. He obeyed them. He went back with them. And if Jesus obeyed His parents, if Jesus was subject to His parents, you can do it too. But you've got to choose to do it. You've got to and... Uh, you know, don't don't make it difficult on mom and dad. And so, be submissive to your parents. That is God's will for your life. And I love it. He says he was subject to them. Anybody think Jesus could have done it on his own? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look look at the abilities he had, the miracles he was able to do. He could have made it on his own, but he didn't. He was subject to them. And so, very important thing, kids. You all can do that. So then, and then notice this. Now, this is go to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. Now, this story, this is a little bit later. This is uh, this is after Jesus begun his ministry, but it makes a reference to his younger days. It says in Luke chapter four, verse fourteen. Okay, and this is, I'm going to get into some more territory where I might be speculating here. Okay, so it's like, what did Jesus know, and when did he know it? Okay. I believe that Jesus, when he was 12, the only thing that he really knew about himself is what his parents had told him. And then I believe the only other thing he knew was what he read in the Scriptures. I believe that Jesus knew quite a bit from the Scriptures. But then, in Luke chapter 4, okay, if you go through the timeline of Jesus Christ, what's happened up to this point, we've got the story of His birth, we've got the story of Him being twelve as a 12-year-old, and then the very first story that we have is His baptism by John the Baptist. And does anybody remember what Jesus did after He was baptized by John the Baptist? Where did He go? He went to the desert. And He was there for 40 days. Nothing to eat. He was tempted of the devil. And then, you know, and the devil's there. What was he doing? He's questioning whether or not he was the Son of God. Okay? And after that 40 days, after he defeated the devil, the devil departed from him, and then the Bible says the angels came and ministered unto him. And I believe personally that up until that point in Jesus' life, after his baptism, I don't think he had any extra heavenly knowledge other than what his parents had told him, that the angels had told them, and what he'd read in the Scriptures. 
And I believe when the angels came and ministered to him, I think they might have told him a few things because after he comes down from that or out of that desert, I mean, we see Jesus Christ with you know his. He starts showing his power. He starts doing his miracles. His first miracle was in Cana of Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. That was his, we don't. There, as far as we know, there was no other miracles before that. And I don't. I don't. Nobody cares about your apocryphal book that they did a special on on uh, you know the History Channel where Jesus did a few other things. He made a spring come out of a rock at one time when they were on their way to Egypt, and uh, he. Picked up a dead bird one time and it came to life. And uh, there's there's a lot of goofy stories out there. But his first one in Canaan of Galilee. But notice in Luke chapter four verse fourteen it says, "And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region about." So this is right after he comes out of the, after being tempted by the devil, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Okay, he had this custom on the Sabbath day. He would go to the synagogue and he would read. He did that every Sabbath day. That was his custom. That was his practice. Now, why do you think he went to the synagogue to read every week? Okay, Because he couldn't go to Walmart back then and buy a Bible. He wasn't able to go on his cell phone and download a King James Bible app so he could read his Bible. Back then, people didn't have Bibles in all their houses. Okay, You had to go to the synagogue if you were going to be able to read any of the Scriptures. And we see that Jesus spent a lot of time in the synagogue. I mean, it was kind of one of His things that He would do. He would get up and he would read. I've heard people before when they're you know history people and they're talking about Jesus. Well, they'll say things like you know he probably you know Jesus probably wasn't very well educated. Probably didn't even know how to read. Most people you know from that Galilee area during that time didn't even know how to read. Well, you know what? They don't know how to read. If they would read their Bible, they would see that Jesus had a custom of going into the synagogue and reading the scriptures. Jesus knew how to read. All right, and he, I believe, one of the reasons he did that. He wanted to get as close to the Scriptures as he possibly could. He knew that that was where he was going to find out a lot of things about himself. And so he goes into the synagogue in verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of them all that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, and all bear him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, Is not this Joseph's son? These people are amazed. How did he know, and how did Jesus know? That that passage was talking about him. And it could have, the Holy Spirit could have revealed it to him. Or I've wondered too if maybe the angels told him. Jesus knew the scripture well. He read it every week in the synagogue. What did he do every time the devil tried to tempt him? He quoted scripture. And then I don't know. Maybe those angels told him, "Hey, do you know that? You know that passage in Isaiah? 
And I don't, I don't remember the chapter and verse. I wonder if they told you. That's talking about you. That is you. You are that person. And it is time for you to begin your ministry. And so Jesus did. He went to that synagogue there in Nazareth where He grew up. And He went and He read the book just like He always did. And you know what? Young folks, and this is young folks and adults, you ought to be a regular in the house of God. Hey, you want to raise good kids? Keep them around the house of God. Keep them around the things of God. Teach them the book. Jesus knew the book. He, right, he knew the Bible. That's how He knew how to handle the devil. That's how He handled temptation. He knew the book. You know how many young people today, they grow up in church and they don't, they don't know the book. And a lot of it's because a lot of churches aren't preaching it very well. But part of the problem is they're not reading it themselves. It's not being taught at home. You're not going to get everything you need just from the pulpit here at this church. You've got to be reading yourself. Parents, you know, you're going to have to share some things with your children. You're going to have to instruct them. And Jesus Christ, He was a regular in the house of God. He knew the book. And that's something that you can do for your young people. That's something that all of them ought to do and listen, no one expects their children to be perfect. But as parents, we can teach our children to follow Jesus' example. And your children can strive to follow His example to the best of their abilities. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. He left us an example. And when you look in the early years of Jesus, we don't know hardly anything. But one thing we do see, when we do see Him, He's surrounded by wise men. When we see Him, He's asking them questions. He's learning from elderly people. He was submissive to His parents and He was a regular in the house of God. That's pretty much all we know about Jesus' early years. And every one of those, everything that we see about Jesus are things that we can do. That kids, you can do these things. You can apply these to your life. And maybe... Someday God will describe you like He describes Jesus. Someone like John the Baptist who was strong in spirit. Someone like Samuel who was in favor with God and men. Let's follow that example. Let's learn from those early years of the life of Jesus. So with that, let's all stand together right now.